Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so what I was thinking of in the beginning of this year, and we kind of started it last week, this, the concept of making or creating space, this concept of that which is faith, right? You know, faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Basically saying that faith is the substance or the substrate, the foundation, the floor, the clearing um, for the things that, we, that, that are hoped for. And it is this, this reality of creating space by faith for that which already is to be ushered into this reality, right? That sounded kind of new agey, but it's not. It's the Bible, right? Yeah, Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that that which is seen was made by that which is unseen. That's another weird one right there, yeah? Hebrews 11, 3. But, but what it is saying is by faith, we understand that everything that we can see is a lesser reality than that which is of the kingdom, which created this, which God created this, this place. This is, it's a lesser dimension, really. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed in by the word of God. That's, what the, that's the wording there. You know. It's a lesser dimension. I can hold a picture of Nicole. This is, this is my wife. It can be high def 4, 4K or whatever they, you know what I mean? And be like, y'all be like, yeah, that's her. But we also know it's not really her. That's a picture of her framed into a lesser dimension so that it actually portrays something. But the real version of her on the second row in a brown shirt. You know, so, see what I'm saying? So, um, but by faith, we come to this understanding. It's like we are called to usher in a reality that is more real than this one. And Jesus walks around saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is at hand. John the Baptist, right? What does he come? He comes articulating Isaiah 40. Who, who, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you this? Are you that? You know, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness make way make space in the desert put a highway it's just like well, why would you put a highway or make space in a place that nobody's at or nobody wants to go to because that's all that god really needs out of us is to actually make space and create room because he has the reality to in, to, to 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 pour and to release into the earth and there's something of this of this eternal mindset this kingdom mindset that is described and, and defined as faith there in Hebrews 11, that our job on the earth is actually to, to, to link up with, with God by the Spirit to see that which is unseen and that that which is not would become what is in the earth. And it's this really interesting concept. It's this really interesting thing that's throughout all of the scriptures. And, you know, we talked about, what was it? You know, the practicality of walking the Spirit-filled walk of, of God, which is prophesied there in, you know, I think it was 2 Kings 6 last week, we did Naaman the Syrian, the seven, the seven dunk baptism, you know, creating space, you know, and Elisha's life, it actually goes into this space making, uh, basically analogies for us to look at as New Testament Christians. And that's the track I was going to go through. But then this week, I felt like the Lord specifically started to speak to me. You know what? I was actually doing laundry. I was doing some laundry when this came to me. And I felt like it was, it was dad saying, hey, this is for the house this week. 
And I was like, well, sorry, but I have other plans, you know what I mean? You know? No, but you, know, you, you think like this, this, this concept of creating space, um, he's like, but there is something of creating space even within ourselves because God desires people who are whole. Like Peter said to Ananias, Jesus the Christ makes you whole. He heals you. He, he completely restores you. And so Christianity is about walking completely and totally whole because of what Jesus has already done in the past tense. What Peter says in you know, 2 Peter 1, like everything pertaining to life and godliness has already been freely given to you. you know, what John the Baptist said in John 3, like he has poured his spirit out without measure. We're not waiting for another outpouring. Oh, pour out your spirit. All these you know, catchphrases. It's like, no, no, no. Without measure, he's fully released the inheritance to the sons and daughters. Fully release the spirit. And it's not on his end that we are not fully consumed with that reality. It's on our end. And this is the space I want to talk about this week, or I felt directed to talk about this week, is actually creating space in our own selves. And not even creating space in the time of, of, that we set aside to seek the Lord and pray or read or you know, all these things, which is great. That discipline is, is wonderful and it's, there's, there's a part of it. But what I felt like the Lord was talking to me about was actually the role of forgiveness and the role of offense. And that offense, offenses and wounds take up so much more space in his people and in his body than he would have. He would have it take up none. But then when we, when we learn to practically walk through the reality of what he's done and, and, and actually apply it in our lives and in our own minds, it creates space and enlarges our capacity to actually see and believe what, what he's given us. You know, if we look at the, you know, all the analogies that Jesus used to talk about, like the, the parable of the sower, the Mark 4, you know, the, the, basically all the different types of seed that he sows, right? You know, one, one gets instantly uh, falls on rocky soil. One goes a little bit, then, then comes up. The, the next one starts to grow, but the, the thorns and the, and the weeds actually choke it out. And then the last fourth of the seeds bears 30, 60, and 100 fold. This is literally talking about the minds and the hearts of mankind receiving the words of the Lord. But we have the ability to cultivate our garden to where we're not in rocky. We are not ourselves rocky soil. We are not ourselves double-minded um, to the point where we are choked up by the thoughts and cares of this world, which are the, which are the, you know, the weeds and the thorns. Uh, we are not those ones who, it says, the accuser literally comes and snatches it away like a bird. You know? We can come to the place where we are so wholeheartedly walking in wholeness and connection to God that we are like full-time Eden, receiving the seeds of God and bearing the fruit of heaven on the earth. And this is what we're called to do. But there's a key to it, and that is actually creating space within ourselves. Because what I, what I believe, and, and a point that I'm wanting to make today, is that literally offense takes up so much space in us and renders Christians ineffective in ministering to the very ones that God brings around them in life. You know what I'm saying? Does this kind of make sense? Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, when I'm looking at Jesus, I think, and even as Christians, so many times we're waiting for conditions to be perfect for us in order, in order to minister, in order to release heaven on the earth, when we're supposed to be constantly releasing heaven on the earth, you know. And instead of waiting for those conditions, perfect, sometimes the reality is that the Lord will place us in situations um, 
where we need to, my term is absorb, we need to be able to absorb a little contact in order to deliver the reality of heaven in situations. Okay, absorb contact, how do you describe that? So absorbing contact, that's, it's like an athletic term, right? If you're a basketball player, um, it's the ability to have some meat on your bones in a healthy way, right? To be a little bit strong so that when you're trying to go and shoot, shoot the basket, maybe you're, you know, you're cutting down in, you know, to where the rim is or whatever and you're going up, the slightest bump doesn't just completely throw you off your course. You can absorb a little bit and finish and continue to go in the direction you're going. It's probably, this is Texas, right? So we should talk about football. Of course, no brainer, you know what I mean? These wide receivers are like, they're really skinny and super athletic, you know what I mean? But they have to have uh, weight put on them in their core, which is their, their hips, their glutes, their quads, and their stomach. So they have, they have this grounded weight that's upon them that doesn't slow them down or make them uh, inagile. So they're still light, but they're very strong at their core. So they can run if the quarterback throws it up high, they can catch it. And even if they get hit, they, they can have the body awareness and the control over their own body to grab the ball and bring it down and, and, and not the most, without being wide open in the most perfect conditions. So I think those analogies went, right? But we as Christians, we have to be um, unoffendable, not triggered so that we can actually be in an imperfect world and still deliver the goods. And this comes from being whole in heart. A triggered person is a wounded person. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm offended. You know what I'm saying? A triggered person draws their sword when somebody comes to, an, to offend them. Instead of actually seeing them through the eyes of God and actually speaking the life and love that will unlock those people. But in order to do that, we gotta be unlocked. And to be unlocked is to be whole because the simplicity of dunking seven times like Naaman the Syrian, of, of this follow through, this constance of this baptism that is the Holy Spirit. It's not just, oh, Shandai, Hondai, let's just be real, you know, spiritual and mystical. Mystic is, that's, I love this. But at the same time, it's about being so wholly devoted that we've been crucified with Christ and a dead man that's been crucified doesn't get offended about things. You know what I'm saying? You don't see no, you know what I mean, worrying about their status or worrying about how they look. You know what I'm saying? A dead person doesn't care about these things at all because it doesn't make no sense. I mean, you catch what I'm throwing. And so it's like, we've got to be in this, this way. I love one thing Jesus said. It's one of the, one of the toughest things you can hear somebody say. Um, and, and he backed it up. He said in um, John 14, 30, when he was talking to his disciples, he starts te teaching them in like red letter, like clear, n not um, parables. He starts just talking to them straight. But at the end of it, he says, hey, the ruler of this world is coming now but he doesn't have anything in me. And it's like, man, that's such a gangster thing to be able to say, he's got nothing in me. And it was like, here's this man who's fully human and who is also God himself, denying his divinity, living as a man, but also full of God. And he's so full of God and empty of his own self, he has no ego. And he's telling the disciples, this guy's coming Now's his last chance. He's going to throw everything possible to get me triggered. But nothing will work. I have no place of offense. I have no pride. I have, I have nothing that he's going to be able to press my buttons. And if you could, excuse me, if you can truly see it, 
I believe the enemy was so jealous of humanity and mankind and, and full of hatred towards humanity. And um, he, was, he was literally trying to spin Jesus to attack the ones Jesus came to save. But in, doing, but in doing this walk through the cross, everything, he manifested the reality of the heart of God because he was God. You know what I'm saying? And so here's Jesus saying, he's, he's coming to cause me to try to turn against you guys, but it won't work. You know, he's coming, but he has nothing in me. And we know what he did. He came and he, gra- he, he arrested him and he, you know, flogged him, beat him, mocked him. He had, you know, he had humans constantly surround him, humiliating him, crowns, you know, bleeding out of his head, bleeding out of his face. His, eye, his face was all swollen. He was disfigured. You couldn't even recognize his normal appearance. You know what I'm saying? That's what it said. They beat him so bad. And they whipped him so bad to completely humiliate him. And he could have stopped that at any point. He literally said that. He, he literally said, I could dispatch angels and take this whole thing over if I wanted to. Jesus said that. But he meant what he was here to do. And nobody understood what that was. Because if the rulers of this world would have known, right? First Corinthians says, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So here's Jesus. He goes all the way through this torment and assault against people. And the reaction of God, which is to be our reaction in all things when we are whole, is, is the only thing he had to say was forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, dude. Imagine that. But that's what wholeness looks like. But it is the greatest power of this or any universe of any creation that has ever been released that broke, that broke a nearly unbreakable curse. And it was Jesus' forgiveness on the cross, his acceptance of mankind. And he manifested that victory, the Christus victor. This, this reality it was not a father beating his son because he wanted forgiveness and all these doctrines of demons. This, was, this reality was the heart of God was drawing all men to himself through Christ, is what our Bible says. And, and he was actually manifesting the victory of let there be light. There was in, in him there was no darkness at all. That's what his half-brother James said. And he manifested that. There was no darkness. There was no accusation came to his mouth. When people talked bad about him and tried to accuse him, he stood there and didn't answer. Pilate's like, are you going to say anything, dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? People punch him in the face. It's like, you ain't got nothing to say. It's like, I don't, it's like, he doesn't participate with that. He's not that. And so he cannot that. In him is light and in him there is no darkness at all. But light is wholeness and light is power. And this is what authority looks like. Jesus comes telling people to turn the other cheek. If somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. And it's just like, man, you want us to be mats. It's like, no, I want you to be powerful. And I want you to be able to absorb that contact and stay in the game and deliver life that unlocks those people. Amen. You know what I mean? That, that, was, that was the goal. That was the goal. He told the Pharisees, like, you're going to realize this when the Son of Man is lifted up. You're going to realize it. So he knew, and he wanted them to know who he was, but he also wanted to get to the finish line so he unlock all of creation. So he's told the Pharisees, yeah, you, you're talking all this bad stuff to me now. You're insulting me. You're doing all these things. And I'm glad you don't know who I am yet, but it's going to click. I'm going to save all you too if you don't like it or not. Imagine this. Imagine this sort of love. This is the love that is the power of eternity, that, ex- that, that lives inside of us. And forgiveness is the way, right? It is the family business. The prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave us to pray, look, you know, it's not an incantation, you know? It is a, it is not just a form of what Jesus told us to pray. 
It, it is the, the life of the Christian. Like the disciples are asking Jesus, how do we pray? What do we do? Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's like, skirt. You know what I mean? What are you talking about? So we're all messiahs. We're all sons of God. We're all, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah. It's like you're tracing your lineage now back to your true creator. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've literally been ingrained into a family tree, the knowledge of good and evil, that you were never supposed to be poisoned by. And so it's got you confused seeing the good one as the dark one right or as both good and evil as light and darkness you know and um but he's like our father in heaven so wait wait we have a phone that can reach heaven like yes you do yeah you're actually seated there in me and you're on the earth at the same time it's like well this sounds new age jesus you gotta leave me alone with this you know no 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 no. our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name in other words may your name become separate by the behavior in the lives of your sons and daughters separate means like everything that the name of god's been attached to that's not really him May it be separate from that. And may, may people see you as you truly are. That's the family business. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let it be separate from all that. May your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth. In the millennial reign, like, no, 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 no. Jesus is walking around saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It needs to be released. He told the Pharisees in Luke 17, it's not come by observation. It doesn't come by, it, the kingdom of heaven is in you. He told Pharisees that. Mankind's created to release this, and now I've come to show you the way. Your kingdom come and your will be done. What is his will? Sounds like his will was everything he was willing to go through on our behalf so that we would achieve our inheritance. It's not God made me sick so that he could teach me a lesson, you know. You know, it's all these twisted things. That's not the settled will of God as him manifested Jesus the I am, you know? Yeah. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. They understood the Exodus 16. uh, They understood the the manna in Exodus 16 that would come to them. The bread of angels is like, this was an analogy that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. It was the communication, the relationship that it is prophesied throughout the entire Old Testament and into the New Testament that God still talks to this day and you can know him. Mm Mm-hmm. And forgive us our sins, we forgive everyone. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what I mean? Wait, what? Was that in? What, what? That's tough. And forgive us our sins. And our debts. Matthew's debts and Luke's uh, sins. For we also forgive everyone. Yeah. Well, that's interesting right there. Forgive me. In other words, I've come to the understanding of the family business. I, I have chosen. I have received forgiveness. And I, there is nothing unforgivable. That's a trigger right there. I know that hurts some people to hear that. But it's like there is nothing unforgivable. But see, we understand forgiving people is not about you know them. It's about us. It's about our own hearts. It's about a posture of this prayer, which is not a prayer. It is a prayer, but it is, this is what connection to God looks like. That's what he's saying. Here's a chart of what connection of your connection looks like. You know, I've been to a church when the, and the priest got up there and started praying, singing that song. He sang through the whole thing. And I sat there and giggled like that, but I was a lot younger. It's a lot younger and, and disrespectful, you know? Some dude up there with his collar on singing it. And I was just like, is this guy be? I was like, ha, ha, ha. Like this, he's got a good sense of humor. I like guys like this. And I was like, no, this is really happening. He likes to sing like that and sound like that. 
Um, you know, but you can sing that. That's fine. You like to sing it. It's cool. All right. But what I'm saying is it's not just a, an incantation or a song or a prayer that we say before our games like we used to so that we have good luck, a good luck. This is a lifestyle. This is a posture of life. For, and forgive our sins. For we also forgive everyone. There's, there's something to forgiveness. is not something you choose to do. It is not a choice. It is a choice, but it, it's, it's not a request. This is, this is the way. And it's not just for them, but you don't know what they did. That's the thing. It don't matter. They don't know what they did. That's Jesus' choice. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes because, like, no, they did. That was malicious. But if they were them true self, fully unlocked by the fall, knew how loved they were by God, they wouldn't be there. So they do not know. They're controlled by something else. There's no excuse not to be there. But no, they, they hurt me so bad. They did this. It's like, yes, I know. And, and, and this is one of those things. But we choose it, even when our heart doesn't agree with it. But I feel like, I feel like a hypocrite because when I release forgiveness, then I feel like I just do it just to be, I'm being religious. Like, you're not being religious. You're actually having faith and choosing to release forgiveness. And if it happens today and then it happens tomorrow and it happens the next day, if it happens the seven times, 70 times seven, and if you're dipped like name in the Syrian seven times in a row, yes, it is a process until it becomes wholeness in your heart and you don't have the feelings of pain that were once steering you. Mankind is created in the image of God. We are the identity of God to be manifest on the earth. We are created of Eden and breathed of, of, the, of the dust of Eden itself. You know? And we've been breathed of the life of God himself. That's what humans are. Genesis, we were created in his image, so we were created to image him. But pain and, and wound, because we've misplaced our ability to forgive, has created offense and it's marred the image of God, the images of God, into something we were never supposed to even look like. You know what I mean? But there's a way back in. And Jesus showed it to us. And he shouted it. You know? Yeah. Isaiah 40. Make way. Make room. It's here. You know what I'm saying? If, if I had a check for a million dollars for each person in here... And none of us had bank accounts. We just had a little zip uh, purse, a man purse and a woman purse. What's the first thing you would do? I'm going to go sign up at Austin Bank <laughs> or Bancorp South, Bank of America. I'm going to make, I'm going to create an account. Why? Because I need a place for that thing to go. Because that, that piece of paper don't work in my man purse, but it'll go into that thing and then that money will be there and it's mine. You know? Did that analogy work? I think it worked a little bit. It's like, we've got to learn how to create space and make room for that which is of heaven to manifest itself in the earth. Yeah, dude. And God's shown us the way. And it's in our prayer. Forgive us as we, for we also forgive everyone who's, who's burnt us. It's like forgiveness is, is, is alignment in the inheritance of the Father. It's not an option. It's like, hey, when we're in it, we're in it. And I know, I understand how a lot of people were, maybe you went to your hometown for Christmas break. Maybe you're around family, maybe you're around relatives, maybe you're around old friends that have seen the old version of yourself. Maybe it brings stuff up. Maybe you're listening to music while you're mowing the grass this week or while you're at work or while you're driving. Something hits different. You smell a, per, a perfume or cologne that you used to smell in an old relationship or something like that. And that pain just whoop, hits in your heart. You're like, I wish I would have. They got me wrong right there. 
I should have hit Billy in his mouth when he, when he insulted me like that. And then I got embarrassed. Then I lost my girlfriend. Then I did, you know what I mean? We, we live with the wounds of the past. Those are like, you know what I'm saying? But these things come up and we feel them in our heart. And we think, it's like, get behind me, devil. Turn up the Christian, the hill song real quick and just flush that away, you know? It's like, no, dude, look. It's like, it's not the devil. The winnowing for a, the win, his winnowing fan is in his hand. Is what is what's said about Jesus. He will baptize with the Spirit and his fire. That winnowing fan, that's, a, that's that sifter, man. It's not the devil and his pitchfork. Jesus has his own. And he, and he, he likes, he, he leads us in truth. And a lot of times that looks like pushing buttons of old wounds to give us the mindset to, met, to pay attention. Like, oh my gosh, I'm still carrying that. And release that forgiveness to it in relationship to the Lord and ask him, would you, feel, would you heal me in that place where that took up some room within, within me? That's how simple this walk is. I felt that hit a lot right there. I feel it feels like a liquid on my, on my body, like warm, like, oh, you know, I feel that, you know, too much information, too much information. <laughs> yeah, they're charismatics all right over there. They're pretty strange, you know. Preacher's up there, liquid on his legs and all that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, it's like, man, is it, wait, 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 could it be that simple? But yeah, but you feel, ho- I feel hope going to some people like, wait a second, when I feel the burn, that's not just, I'm messed up. It's like, oh Lord, you're with me. I'm with you. Emmanuel's God with us. He's with us all the time. He's in me. And he wants more space. His spirit's poured out without measure. And there's aspects of my heart that are still carrying wound. I can receive healing there. I can, by faith, connect to healing by saying, I choose to forgive this situation. And I choose to say, hey, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know. Now, Lord, I ask that you would heal me in that place where there's still pain there. Would you come in and touch me there? And watch what happens. It works. This thing is real. The whole thing is real. It opens the, the mindset of humanity. It's, it's, we've become so limited. You know, look through all the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning what Christianity was going to be. It's all about connection with God. It'll come to pass afterwards. I'll pour my spirit upon Their sons and daughters will prophesy. Wait, whoa, wait. Even the girls, everybody. Old men will dream dreams. You know, what God speaks to prophets in dreams, not normal people. Like, yeah, that's the way this thing works. The young men will see visions. Yeah, Jeremiah 31, same thing. Ezekiel 36, 26, same thing. Imagine that. Isaiah 59, same thing. This word will be in your mouth from this time and forevermore. You'll always have this connection. It's never going to go away. Even when you go to heaven, it won't go away. It'll enhance. You know, it's like, what? Wait, what? It's like, yeah, but we're... Oh, that's for just gifted people, fivefold ministry people, all these little weird things we've termed, termed. But Christianity is a mystic walk of this life of knowing God and not only knowing Him. Daniel eleven thirty two: Those who know their God will be strong, and they will carry out great exploits no matter what's happening in the world. There's another prophet talking about. It. You know, it's just like this is what Christianity is actually about. But we've got to be able to absorb contact. You know what I'm saying? We've got to be able to understand. That like Jesus, let me see where I'm at right now. Okay, 10 minutes, okay? Um, Jesus tells his disciples, we're considering about what faith is, right? And, um, and so Jesus is talking to his disciples 
And, and I joke about this being a quarterly message where we talk about forgiveness, but that's why when I felt like the Lord told me this, I must, be, must have been three months, you know. Um, Jesus said in, in, in um, Luke 17, it's impossible that no offense should come. Like it's going to happen. But woe to him through whom they come. It'd be better for, for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and they were thrown into the sea. I believe this is talking about Satan himself. But then he says this in 17.3 of Luke 17. He says, take heed if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Always forgive. That seems reasonable. And if he sins seven times in the same day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you need to forgive him every single time. I'm, I'm number 13 disciple, raises his hand in the back. Like, look, hey, Jesus... Uh, Okay, so if he does it once, that's the thing. But if he does it seven times and it's in the same day, obviously when he repents, it's not all that genuine. All right, so can we hold this dude accountable and, and at least cut him off from our life? <laughs> or hit him or punch him or something, you know, something. <laughs> you know, but that's the point Jesus is making. Even if it's seven times in a day, it doesn't matter even if it's real. You forgive him. Even if it's real and it's not real. Even when you, and it's definitely not real. What if they don't? It, that's the point he's making. It doesn't matter. This is what we do. Yeah. And I love what the, the, the disciples' response in verse 5 is. You've got to increase our faith. <laughs> You're like, I ain't got faith for that now. <laughs> These same guys are asking, can I call fire down from heaven on this company? Or can I do this? Like, this is... This is in Luke after they've gone out and cast out demons. They've done all kinds of miraculous stuff. They've debated on who's the greatest. They think they can call down fire. They, they've got all this power and stuff that these guys talk about. If the, if, the, if the books were written about everything that was done in their sight, the world couldn't deal with. That's what John 20 and John 21 is talking about. It's like, there was way more than this. This is just so you believe. You know what I mean? So these guys are on a different level than we think. But when it comes to, but y'all have to forgive, so you got you know, okay, you got to increase my faith for that. I need help there. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> but I love how Jesus goes, goes in on them. Because do you think Jesus is walking with his disciples on this trip and he randomly said, take heed to yourselves. You know, if somebody sins against you, make sure you forgive them no matter what. Walks a little while further. As a matter of fact, if somebody sins against you seven times in the same day, make sure every single time you release forgiveness. This is how the voice of God works in the middle of your day. You know, it's not like, well, here's my list and I want him to speak into it. It's like, he's just going to say what he's going to say. You know what I mean? He's going to poke what he's going to poke. He's going to instigate. He's going to whisper. He's going to lead. That's how he did because because he's actually real. And so he's triggering these guys very, very, very intentionally. And he knows you're going to have to increase our faith. He knows something's coming. He knows that there's unforgiveness. He's trying to unlock his team before he leaves because he's close to leaving. Lord, would you increase our faith? He says, hey, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the, in the sea and, it'll be, and it will obey you. It's like, boom. He goes into a par an analogy of a servant, basically saying, who has a servant that actually does his job um, and, then he, and then he thanks him for doing his job? He says something that seems really almost kind of harsh if you want to read it there. 
But he was, say, he, was, he was saying them like, hey, when it comes to this, this is your job. It's not, hey, thanks for forgiving them. It's like, no, no, no. You're on this team. This is the way the staff works. You're paid. You're paid really well. But, but this isn't an option. This is the heart of servant. You know? And he tells them that. He says, hey, faith is not your problem. And we have all the scriptures and like, hey, faith is a mustard seed. And, you know, send your mustard seed of $7 to my account and you'll get seven weeks of blessings or, you know, whatever we, we have seen that become. But Jesus is actually not talking about faith. He's saying faith isn't the issue. It doesn't take much faith. It takes the authority of heaven. And you won't have the authority of heaven when other things are taking room in your heart. You have to release forgiveness. You have to be whole. It won't take much faith when you're whole. Everything comes back to the cross. Everything comes back to Naaman's, Naaman's bath time, the seven dips. It is the walk of the sevenfold spirit of God, the wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, prophesied of Isaiah 11, 3. It is this reality of the sevenfold spirit of the book of Revelation, seven candlesticks, seven stars. All these things that he's talking about is like, this is the whole shebang, the fullness of God's spirit, which has been released unto you, make way because he's here. And you're way, you're way more powerful if you'll just choose to abide in me and I in you. If you align, which just means align and forgive us as we forgive those. You know what I mean? And Jesus demonstrates this in his life and he lives it for us to see. And I think that's all I really want to say about it. That's, I mean, it doesn't take much, they say that dog will hunt. It doesn't take much in a message like this to sometimes, and it's even a good reminder for me, to hear like, wait a second, the issues of the heart or the, the memories of the past or the triggers or the, all these things to, to realize like, hey, these things shouldn't be there. But that's not a rebuke, it's actually a hopeful thing. Jesus has given us this very simple uh, process of walking by faith, of having our minds constantly renewed in Him, of keeping the weeds and the stones and the accuser's voice out of our garden so that the seeds, which are the words of the kingdom of heaven, grow and flourish throughout our life. You know, I was thinking about this in closing um, late this morning, like nine, you know, eating some, some uh, Kodiak waffles and protein waffles. You had them before? Yeah, boy. So I had some of those, and I was thinking, man, I thought about John 8, and John 8, just for the point of the day, is that we can realize some of the most beautiful things that were ever recorded out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus, the eternal King, was actually spoken during a barrage of insults and accusations. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm talking about sometimes the Lord allows us to be triggered or even allowed to be in situations that are less than perfect. So because we have the authority and the power to not be triggered, but to absorb contact in order to deliver the word of the Lord that unlocks our brothers and sisters. Jesus came and he came down, manifested and was surrounded by the Pharisees constantly. But I know that he loved it. Because 2 Corinthians 3.18 is true. That we are transformed as we behold him from, uh, behold as a mirror in the same image. Because we're created off of him. We're a chip off the block. It's like when we see him as he truly is, we are transformed from glory to glory. That's what the verse says there in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's like when we see him, it unlocks who we are. And even with the Pharisees, I know that they were around him. They were spitting on him when they were so close. They were vehemently attacking him in like Luke 12 and John 8 and all these different things. 
But I know it was like, come close. It was like, my children, my kids are coming close to me and they're poisoned by the fall, but this is going to give them a front row seat. And all this is going to come back to their minds. We think like, well, the Pharisees, I hope they're all in hell, man. They, they're the ones, that, you know what I'm saying? But he doesn't think this way at all. He's like, I've got you. I've got my babies right where I want them. My little boys and girls. And they're around me. And they're close. Some of them are lunging for me, trying to touch my clothes. Some of them are spitting mad. You know what I mean? But I'm just glad. Because they won't forget what this looks like. When somebody hits me in the face and I turn my other cheek and I look him in the face slightly as I'm going, you know, when they realize that's the heart of the eternal king, the one that created them, that formed them in their mother's womb, it's going to blow their minds with how much I love them and what I was willing to go through for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So as I, you know, I was thinking about John 8, which I was just, like I said in closing, was saying, it was like, he, John 8's one of those ones where they talk so much insulting stuff for him, to him, but he just released a boom, 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 boom. And it wasn't, it wasn't a block and a bang and a punch. It was absorbing the contact and manifesting who he was. Because this is, you know, he, he, you know, he released the girl that was caught in adultery, which is crazy. But if you look through John 8, it's like the Pharisees were saying, you bear witness to yourself. Like you're illegitimate, all these things. But he actually comes and he's like, I'm not alone. My father's actually with me. It's written in your law, the testimony of, of two or three witnesses is true. He start, he's starting to articulate the, the Godhead, you know what I'm saying, in front of them. Daniel 7, the, the one like the Son of Man and the Ancient of Days, and they're coming together in the same vision picture, and like, what are these two gods? There's one, you know. He's, he's, he's starting to get these guys. He's starting to go after them a little bit. They're, they continue to go on, to, they're wanting to lay hands on them and, and, and saying all these things, I'm going away, you'll seek me, but where I go, you cannot come. Because I'm from above, you know. He says all these different things to them, and I was just looking through them. Um, the stuff that, the insults that they were barraging him with. And he continues, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They're like, we're Abraham's descendants, and, and uh, how can you say we'll be made free? He starts talking about what it means to be a slave of sin and what it means to be alive. He says things like, I speak what I have seen with my father. And it's like, that's, that's super insulting. But he's broadening their minds to understand who he was later on. You know, they're like, Abraham's our father. He's like, well, if Abraham was truly your father, you know, you wouldn't seek to kill me. They say, we're not born of fornication. We're not, a, we're not illegitimate. Like, that's a real, that's a real major insult. But Jesus continues to talk about if God was your father, you would love me for I have proceeded from my father. The stuff John writes about him in John 1. You know, talking about how he tells the truth. Then they come at him, they're like, do we not rightly say that you're a Samaritan and, and you have a demon? Like, you know, Samaritans were like, what they can see, they're racist uh, as, as a mug back then. They're like, you're, you're half-breeds, you're not real Jews, and, and you have a demon and all these different things. It's like, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you're dishonoring me, you know. But I say to you, anyone who keeps my word shall never see death. It's just like, well, he's telling this most beautiful things in front of these guys as they're attacking him. And now we're reading it and we have these beautiful quotes on our refrigerator. Anyone who keeps my word shall never see death. You know what I'm saying? But we'll understand this is in, a, this is in the most savage atmosphere of just hating him 
talking bad about him. And he was never triggered and, and offended by it. It's like, no, that's not what that is. You are of your father, the devil. You've stepped into another lineage. But if you really serve the father, you would recognize me. You would know me. You know what I'm saying? Are you greater than your father, our father Abraham who's dead? You, and you make yourself out to be better than him? Hmm. I love John 8, 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. It's just like, what? Now he's come talking about himself outside of time. It's like, you're, he's, they say he's not 50 years old. He's, he's in his early 30s in this thing. And he's articulating stuff. This human being that you're seeing in front of you that you're talking so bad about and you're ripping into him, I'm friends with your father Abraham. I walked up on him sitting under a tree, sitting under his tent. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I've walked up on Abraham. I talked to him about the stars in the sky. You know what I'm saying? The head and not the tail, all these things. That was me talking to him. And you guys don't even realize who you're around, but you will. You know? This is in a barrage of somebody that's just absorbing all this contact, turning his other cheek and speaking the truth, speaking some of the most brilliant things. You know what I'm saying? It's just like he could have been sitting down with his own disciples. And he says, yes, I remember walking and talking with Abraham. They're like, they'd be like, what did you say? You did what? Tell us about it. Tell us these secrets, these awesome things. But they didn't even know. But he's telling it to people who are attacking him as he's absorbing this contact and he's actually changing it. He's unlocking them. You're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? My favorite thing that he says, verse 58, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am, calls himself the I am. So they took stones to kill him, but it says he cloaked, he, he hid himself and walked out from amongst them in the temple. Just whoom. I mean, that's some, that's some Jedi mind. That's something else. They're trying to kill him, but he got his message across. He never talks like that. Never talks like that. You know what I'm saying? Doubting Thomas finally got it when he came back and touched his, touched his wounds. Says, my Lord and my God. It's like, oh man, you're him. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, here he is, the Pharisees at attacking him. Yeah, I know Abraham. Yeah, before Abraham was, I am. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, this, the Eternal One. And I'm, and I'm inside of this humanity, this suit that, that causes you to be offended. And so your offense causes you not to be able to see who I truly am. Offense, wound, it blinds people. But it didn't blind him. And the very ones around him, he absorbed the contact and just delivered the goods for all of us to see. This is our family. This is our essence. But the path to this level of wholeness is the path of the Lord's Prayer. And it's not just reciting it, um, but it is found in what the family inheritance and business is. Forgive us. We forgive everyone. We choose forgiveness. If I found a place of pain in my heart, if I find a place of wound, it's not like, oh no, I want to bury that down and self-medicate myself so I don't feel it. It's more like, with a heart of thanksgiving, oh my gosh, I did not know I had that. But that means there's more of you. That's, there's more for me to carry of you. Thank you for bringing this up. I release that forgiveness. This is the mentality of the saints, of the sons and daughters of God. And this is the power of heaven that he desires, the wholeness and the health that he desires for our body.